Coming up on this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, Elon Musk gives a welcome update on the Cybertruck. The long-awaited full self-driving Beta 9 may be out in the wild in the hands of some public testers by the time you hear this. Elon also gives an update on the next major UI update for the Model 3 and the Model Y and more. What's happening, friends? Ryan McCaffrey alongside Daisy the Boxer with you for episode 310 of Ride the Lightning, your weekly Tesla unofficial podcast for July 11th, 2021. And I have to say, I had a very interesting week, little little uh, reclaiming some more normalcy, which felt really good. I went on my first business trip since February of 2020, and I have to say it felt really great to go out and see people in a professional context out in real life again, because it's been a year plus of of people existing only on 2D screens, flat screens. So thank you, science. I have said that before. I will say it again. But yeah, it was really nice to to get out and uh, do some work out in the field, as it were. Anyway, Tesla is what you're here for, not what I'm up to. So let's get started. Remember when Elon Musk was going to give us a big old update on the Cybertruck probably, according to his tweet, sometime in Q2. Well, as we're now in July, aka Q3, that obviously didn't happen, but we did at least get a some kind of update here on the Cybertruck this past week. The update comes, of course, via Twitter, as most Elon updates do. Come to think of it, he hasn't done an interview in a while. Be, uh, hopefully he's he gets back out there and sits down and does a Tesla-related interview soon. I wish it were with me. <laughs> it didn't work out, but you never know. That's uh, never never say never. But anyhow, uh, he did give this Cybertruck update via Twitter in response to my friend Trevor Page from Tesla Owners Online. Trevor had said, congratulations on the record-breaking quarter, Elon and Tesla. It's time to release the Kraken. Give us an update on this. I mean, and he posted a picture with his tweet of the Cybertruck. And then Elon replied, uh, I should note here, it was he replied on a Friday, which will be which will make sense in two seconds. Elon said, Friday afternoons are usually Tesla design studio time. Cybertruck will be almost exactly what was shown. We're adding rear wheel steering so it can do tight turns and maneuver with high agility. A lot of other great things coming, end quote. Well, rear steering is certainly going to be a welcome addition based on what I am reading from people out there in the community who either own or have experience with full-size trucks. I have, as I've said before, I've never even driven a full-size truck, so I am, I'm useless when it comes to giving proper context. The, the, the best thing that I am of use for, for you, the listener, with regard to the Cybertruck is not only the Tesla aspects of it, uh, but certainly the stainless steel aspect. That, that I'm an expert in, but the truck side, I'm the opposite of an expert. I'm a, I'm a total just newbie there. So I guess that kind of averages out, or <laughs> hopefully I'll still be of use. Anyway, uh, so the rear wheel steering should really help with just maneuvering that big old thing around in, in tighter spaces and parking lots and, and cities in particular for those people that are going to buy one in, in a sort of urban, dense environment. Now, I suspect by almost exactly what was shown, Elon might mean this, except for having to add side view mirrors instead of cameras because the American government hasn't moved into the 21st century on that the way Europe has. That is what I read when I, when I read that tweet from Elon. I could be wrong. He may be referring to other things, but we'll see. I, I do hope, I've tried to tweet Elon a couple of times in the last two weeks, you know, my my move is, which sometimes it's worked in the past, sometimes it's, I mean, it's kind of always a crapshoot when you're tweeting Elon, but I have tried to just catch him right when he's tweeted something. That was a bad, there we go, there's a snap of the fingers. <laughs> anyway, I, I try to just tweet right when he's tweeted to see if I can catch him online and paying attention, maybe I can get his attention, but 
I've, I've tried to ask, hey, any progress with, you know, have you talked to the U.S. government to try and get cameras approved? There's really nothing, at least I haven't been able to get a response from him, and neither has anyone else, if any of you have been by chance asking as well. But fingers crossed that that's still going to happen in time for, I mean, I don't know, maybe not in time for the Cybertruck. If we're looking at, if we're here in July, and let's let's say the Cybertrucks, I mean, I don't think it's going to come out. I don't think there will be any deliveries in 2021. As I've said before on the podcast, Elon, I feel, has been pretty much mentally preparing us for that with the way he's been talking about it on recent earnings calls and what have you. Let's say, let's say Q1 of 2022, they're able to start delivering the first few Cybertrucks. I'm not sure the government will move that quickly on, on the camera side. You know, I don't, I don't know how fast or not the NHTSA can be if it wants to be. But I have to say, I mean, and I, I hate to say this because, you know, this is an enthusiast podcast by design. I know a lot of you appreciate that about it. I appreciate that in doing it because there's already enough negativity in the world. But I guess what I would say is I'm not particularly optimistic that something could get done quickly. But I will say optimistically, for all I know, maybe the process is happening just in a, in a behind-closed-doors, not-public way. So that's what I'll have to hang my hat on. But that's, that's really going to be the major aesthetic difference if Elon is saying that the truck's going to be almost the same. You know, if, if that law does not change here in the United States, the Cybertruck is going to have to have side-view wing mirrors when it delivers, which, of course, the prototype that we've been seeing all over the place does not. So we'll see. I mean, the the Roadster, which is a little further out, that also doesn't have proper wing mirrors. Maybe, you know, that's far enough out where the, the law could change. So we'll see. Anyway, but there's something else. Now, when I read this, where Elon says, well, it's going to be about basically the same thing. What about the door handle situation? Because remember that not too long ago, Elon tweeted that there might not be door handles on the Cybertruck, which led me to some speculation on whatever episode came after that tweet. And now we're kind of back to it being, quote, almost exactly what was shown. So are the self-presenting Model S style door handles that are on the prototype back on the menu then? I mean, I think if they are, those would get the job done just fine. I'm curious if the Tesla design team or perhaps swayed by engineering change their minds on whatever handleless situation that they had come up with or were, were tossing around and have maybe now gone back to the Model S style door handle, which by the way, that Model S handle has proven itself now for almost a decade. Now, granted, it uh, took several revisions to get those S door handles to a, a pretty bulletproof place in terms of reliability. I guess they'll literally be bulletproof on the Cybertruck, but they are there now. You don't, you just don't hear in the community of door handle problems on Model S's anymore. I happen to know from a, a, an engineer friend from back in the day at Tesla that that they have iterated on that that door handle many, many times. And it and just not just many times, but it's been almost 10 years. So it's just almost a decade of of iterating and perfecting those door handles. You know, I wonder if there's going to be another Cybertruck prototype showing off whatever the final form of it is, however drastically or or uh, subtly different it's going to end up being. Or if we'll just start to see the alpha Cybertrucks or release candidate Cybertrucks starting to hit the road in maybe another few months. Uh, now, history suggests it will be the latter. And I figure Tesla probably won't bother with another show car prototype. I mean, once they get everything locked in, as I presume they have done by now, they'll just move towards preparing for production, which another prototype would not really help with, but Alpha... Alpha cars or release candidate cars probably would. Not probably, they definitely help with that. We've seen, 
I mean, if you if you kind of look at the other Teslas for a timeline, the Model Y was spotted running around a few months before it went into production. The Model 3, the same thing. It was, I want to say it was around March or so of 2017 when the, the Model 3 Alpha prototypes were running around and then it officially officially went into production, obviously in pretty low volumes at first, in of July of 2017. So it was about four months ahead of time. So we'll see. We'll see. We might not be too far away from Cybertrucks being on the road, albeit ones that aren't final and aren't customer cars, but we might start seeing them before too long. It's going to be fun. Next up this week, full self-driving. It is perhaps here as you read this. My friend Zach, who posts on Twitter as BLKMDL3, Black Model 3, he indeed has a beautiful Black Model 3. It's got zero-G wheels on it. He's lowered it a little bit. looks very cool. Anyway, Zach had a bit of lighthearted fun with Elon on Twitter by posting an image with the, with the caption, changed my car's name just for you, Elon. And he tagged Elon with a picture that showed his Black Model 3 in the UI being named two weeks in reference, of course, to Elon saying, constantly saying that he thinks the full self-driving City Streets Beta 9 being about two weeks away. Now, in, in his good sense of humor, Elon responded to, to Zach saying, Haha, FSD 9 Beta is shipping soon, I swear, exclamation mark. Generalized self-driving is a hard problem as it requires solving a large part of real-world AI. Didn't expect it to be so hard, but the difficulty is obvious in retrospect. Nothing has more degrees of freedom than reality, end quote. You know, honestly, I don't have any problem with Elon admitting that he didn't expect the challenge to be as great as it was. I mean, first of all, you'd never hear that from just about any other CEO. They're they're buttoned up. They're, they're trained to never show weakness of any kind and always project strength and confidence in the company and in the products. But with Elon, I mean, we're talking about somebody who has consistently achieved what many people thought to be unachievable, making reusable rockets and not just doing that, but normalizing it, starting a successful car company and an electric, all electric one at that in the United States, which had not seen a successful startup in the automotive space for decades Take it from me, the owner of a, the former owner of a DeLorean, one of the last major cars and car companies to try. But I, I do wish that Elon would just stop responding to people, maybe, and getting their hopes up, getting our collective community hopes up. I know he's not doing it maliciously. And in fact, the transparency is appreciated. I don't want that to go unsaid because, again, you don't really get any transparency with most companies, automotive or otherwise, particularly from the CEO, but his optimism that it really is two weeks away has, for some, I think, from what I read out in the community, kind of gotten to the point where it's turned a lot of people's optimism into pessimism about the whole thing. It's kind of a, had a, a backfiring effect, or at the very least, sapped their enthusiasm for it. For me, I mean, I have every confidence that Tesla will crack this in time. They always do. But I do feel like saying less might actually be more beneficial for everybody in this particular instance, both internally and externally. Although that being said, we might be too far down this particular rabbit hole to, to switch to, to radio silence at this point. But I will continue to look forward to the button but I'll just be happy when it does arrive rather than eagerly hoping that each day might finally be the day that I get that magic, a software update is available notification on my phone. Now, <laughs> when I was putting this story together, I couldn't help but think about one of my favorite movies growing up. Did, is anybody else out there right now thinking about that 1980s Tom Hanks and Shelley Long movie, Money Pit? When you hear, when you hear two weeks... That's the joke that comes to mind. It's a, it's a running gag in the movie Money Pit. If you haven't seen it, it, I think it's still funny. It's worth watching. I mean, it's it's peak 1980s Tom Hanks when he was in that run of, you know, it's 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 Tom Hanks 
in Money Pit, Tom Hanks in Big. I mean, it was uh, Turner and Hooch. You know, he had a he had a great run. Not that he's had a bad run since then, but comedic Tom Hanks, let's say, was was uh, was at his peak in the '80s, I would argue. But anyway, in the movie Money Pit, Tom Hanks and Shelley Long's characters have a home renovation uh, being done, and it's a complete disaster. And it's you know, there's lots of physical comedy involved. But the running joke in the movie was that everything, they, every time they spoke to one of the contractors, it would be done, the project would be done in two weeks. Here's a montage of those two weeks from the movie Money Pit. Enjoy. How long do you think all that'll take? Two weeks? Really? Yeah, that's all. Any idea when you're going to be finished here? Two weeks. How long will it take to put this place together? Two weeks. <laughs> I do get the permits. How long will the job take? Two weeks. Two weeks? Two weeks? You sound like a parakeet there. Two weeks? Two weeks? <laughs> well, two weeks? It's, it's amazing. Amazing nothing. It'll be a regular miracle. <laughs> if I had any of you out there reaching for the skip ahead 30 seconds button, I apologize, but I got a kick out of that. Anyway, uh, that is especially funny, maybe, because there is a more recent update to this. If Elon holds to his word, the FSD City Streets Beta 9 will be out, at least to that small group of external testers that's already had it previously, by the time you hear this. Yes, Elon tweeted this last Thursday, said, Beta 9 will start uploading at midnight California time on Friday. Bear in mind, it is still just a beta. Now, as for the rest of us, if you're curious, he later added, depends on how the limited beta goes. If it goes well, maybe a month or so. So that's the current button timing for the rest of us. But it is possible that as you hear this, you might be able to log on to YouTube and search FSD Beta 9, and perhaps some of those beta testers, if indeed they have it, will be posting videos, hopefully uh, some comparisons to you know, taking the same routes that they took with the previous beta. So uh, keep an eye and ear out for that, and I will be doing the same for next week's show. Now, in case you're wondering, no, I did not consider holding the podcast to see uh, you know, if I might get it. Because one, there's no guarantee that it's going to go up uh, even after I get done recording this tonight. It is now 9.39 p.m., and I do want to get this done and out to the Patreon early access folks at the, you know, which is basically everybody on uh, in the in the Patreon gets early access. But even if uh, even if I somehow got it, even if I held the show and I somehow got the beta, which I I don't expect to, there's no real reason I would expect to. There'd be no time to really get impressions of it before I had to get the podcast out. Anyway, so the show goes on, the show stays on schedule. Sometimes it means I catch some last minute thing that's just happened hot off the presses kind of news. And sometimes it means I miss out on something that's just happened and I'll have to catch it the following week. But the the, the trade-off there is if indeed it turns out there's a week of this before I go to record my next show, then I'll have a lot of material to chew on and a lot of observations I can make and a lot of information I can soak in before doing next week's podcast and offering some analysis for you. Uh, Side note here, you know, I haven't done a scientific analysis of this or anything. I want to caveat this with with that, but it sure seems like Elon doesn't really tweet about Tesla as much anymore. I feel like the Tesla tweets are way down from where they used to be. The meme and or cryptocurrency tweets have been way up, and the SpaceX tweets have always been there, but I feel like they're up too. Now, I'm not criticizing that. Don't get me wrong. Um, This is observational. That's all this is. Elon's, of course, he's free to tweet what he wants. It's his account. Although, selfishly, I would obviously love for him to tweet more about Tesla stuff. But as my mind wanders down that particular little hypothesis and rabbit hole, if it is true, if if that sort of uh, feeling is correct... I wonder if the whole SEC Twitter sitter thing has, I mean, he didn't seem to tangibly affect him at first. He was almost kind of in defiance of that. But I wonder if over time he's kind of realized that, oh, either consciously or subconsciously, 
Maybe he thinks, well, it's not worth it to post as much Tesla stuff, lest he end up getting in trouble somehow. Could be totally wrong, could be totally off base. I will veer back on to proper news topics now. (laughs) Anyway, uh, speaking of updates from Elon, we did get an update from Elon on the next major software release for the 3 and the Y. So even if he's not tweeting about Tesla as much as I would like him to, we did get a couple things. There's the Cybertruck thing and the FSD beta thing, and now this. So this is about the next major software release for the Model 3 and the Model Y, since, of course, the new Model S and the new Model X, once that starts delivering, already got their new UI necessitated by their interior redesign. A listener of the podcast who goes by the username on Twitter, F9Block5, which I presume to indicate Falcon 9, a SpaceX reference, of course, wrote to Elon and said, After what we've seen with revised software for Model S Plaid, will we eventually see any new UI for the 3 and the Y? And Elon responded saying, quote, Yes, updated UI coming with FSD wide release. All cars with FSD computer will have a new mind of car, in quotes, view. All 3 and Y can be upgraded to have the FSD computer. He, he's posted a little bit about this before, but here it is in a bit more detail. Or at least I'd say it's a little bit clearer, I think. By mind of car view, I think he means that A, the driving visualization is going to take up more of the screen than it does now in the production UIs that that 99.9% of us are driving around with, meaning that the navigation side of the screen will get less real estate. And B, I think it's what he means is it's going to be a cleaned up version of the vector boxes and Pac-Man dots that are in the UI that the existing FSD beta testers have. If you've seen any of the many, many videos posted online by the FSD beta testers, you know what I'm talking about. The beta testers have what is almost literally a skeletal look at what the car sees on their screen. Cars are rendered as 3D line drawings, like 3D line boxes, basically, stuff like that. So the shipping version of that obviously is going to need to be more presentable, and presumably the software team has been hard at work on that. The question remains if much of the rest of the UI will be super different from what it is on the 3 and the Y now. For instance, will we be able to rearrange UI elements on the 3 and on the Y, similar to how you can now do that in the new S and the X? I think maybe, but because the driving visualization and the speedometer are remaining fixed on that left side of the screen in the 3 and the Y, whereas they're on a separate screen, in the S and the X, I would say, I would caution and say, don't be surprised if moving UI pieces around is not in the cards for us Model 3 and Model Y folks. And I suppose, not just them, not just us, I should also include the 99% of existing Model S owners and 100% of existing Model X owners in this as well. Next up this week, I've got a few more stories for for you. Red tape could hold up Giga Berlin opening this year, but hopefully it will not. This story comes via Tesla Roddy, who writes, Tesla Giga Berlin is still waiting for final environmental approval from Brandenburg State Office for the Environment, aka the LFU. Despite this, the state's Minister of Economics, Jörg Steinbach, remains hopeful that Tesla will produce its first vehicle in Giga Berlin by the end of the year. Quote, I hope that the first car comes off the production line, uh, excuse me, I hope the first car that comes off the production line will be born in 2021, Steinbach stated. Initially, Gigafactory Berlin production was scheduled to start this month. I'm not quite sure where Tesla, where Tesla already is getting that, but let's, we'll continue. The company planned to produce 500,000 Model 3 and Model Y vehicles in Giga Berlin every year. However, Tesla has not received final approval for Giga Berlin's construction or production. 
In June, Tesla submitted new documents to the State Office for the Environment. Some of the documents related to the construction of a battery cell manufacturing site on Giga Berlin's grounds. The documents also revealed that Tesla plans to expand the press shop by adding two more press lines. The company also plans to reduce the body shop into one production line. Tesla's revision to Giga Berlin's plans will need to go through another set of rounds in the approval process. Until July 17th, the modifications are ac uh, accessible to the public who can raise objections to the changes until August 16th. Then the LFU decides whether the objections need further discussion, which may lengthen the approval process even more. Thank you, Tesla Roddy there. Well, we have seen the hurdles that this project has had to clear. Things like environmental-based challenges with the, the birds in the trees and the, uh, the trees themselves. But hopefully Tesla will be able to get going this year. I know that plenty of people out there were skeptical of the timeline on Giga Berlin, particularly Germans themselves who had seen how long the Berlin airport project infamously took. But the good news is genuine progress at Giga Berlin continues to be made. If I were to place a bet, I mean, at this point with this news, I think the, the odds on money, you got to put money on Texas getting a production Model Y out to a customer before Berlin does, even though the Berlin project started before Texas did. Texas started afterwards. But I think it's going to be close regardless. Hopefully Berlin's able to make 2021. Texas seems to be on track to do so. Obviously, my European listeners who are eager to get their hands on a Model Y are going to be rooting for Berlin to be the winner in that not really a contest contest with Giga Berlin. And, and I don't blame them. I mean, it, it is time for the Model Y to be available in Europe. Hold that thought for just a minute, by the way. And, by, and bring on the Model Y 2.0 in general. The structural battery pack, the 4680 battery cells. Let's see it. But, uh, you know, on that note too, the Model Y 2.0, kind of crazy that the Model Y will be completely changed under the skin after only about a year and a half in production. That is pretty crazy. That's, I mean, the car's still new. It's still a brand new model, but it just goes to show you how important the Y is to the Tesla is to Tesla in the grand scheme of things, a.k.a. very, very important. Next this week, the $500 price increases that have been hitting the Model Y and often the Model 3 as well throughout the course of 2021, so far uh, have not come to the new S and the X except for that plaid 10K bump. Well, that that's over. The Model S and the Model X both got bumped up by 5K for the long range. 5K, yes, I said that correctly. Not 500, multiply by 10, add another zero, unfortunately. $5,000 price increase on the new long range S and X. The S, $85,000 base price. The new long range X, $95,000 base price. The Plaid prices, if you're curious, did not change. And what's more, the Plaid X still, as of me recording this, has not had its price adjusted after the Plaid S went up by 10, which means that the price delta between the long range S and the Plaid S is quite a lot, $45,000. But that same gap, the same price delta between the long range X and the Plaid X is only, and yes, I'm using air quotes here, only $25,000 by comparison after these price adjustments. In that very unique and again, very relative context, because of course, even $25,000 is a lot of money. The Plaid X, you almost have to look at it and say, well, it's it's a much better deal than the Plaid S, just taking all those little relative price comparisons into consideration. Although I would add too, relative to the old Model S, the uh, new $85,000 price, even with the higher price tag, still a pretty good deal because you're getting 405 miles of range, 
zero to 60 in 3.1 seconds, which is what my performance three does, plus the new MCU three and the new UI and redesigned interior. You're getting a pretty sweet car for uh, not much more than what the Model S, the base long range Model S had cost previously. Now, the reason for this price bump almost certainly is probably the same reason that the Model 3 and the Model Y have kept getting incremental price increases, and that is materials costs. Simple as that. Hopefully those prices, though, will not keep going up because uh, 500 is one thing, but 5,000 is another. Finally this week, let's end on some good news. The Model 3 was the number one selling car, period, in Britain last month. No EV qualifier, no this class or that class, none of that. Just number one with no asterisks. So congratulations, congratulations, pardon me, to Tesla and all of the new Model 3 owners over the past month in the UK. Perhaps some of you are listening to this right now. The write-up comes via Teslarati, one more time, who says the Model 3's stellar performance in Britain's auto market was revealed by the Society of Motor Manufacturers and Traders earlier this week. The SMMT stated that the Tesla Model 3 sold 5,468 units in June, allowing it to be the country's, to top the country's list of best-selling cars. The Model 3 also outsold its nearest rival, the, of course, gas-powered Volkswagen Golf, not the electric version, by over 800 units. So, you know, not quite 10%, but a good, like, 8 or so percent there. That's a, that's a nice cushion. If you're curious, the Ford Puma, the Vauxhall Corsa, and the Ford Fiesta rounded out the top five. Now, in fairness, it is worth pointing out here that while this is good news, the Model 3 is nowhere in the top 10 for year-to-date overall sales. It's just June, top the list, but not even in the top 10 for 2021 so far. But then again, the only Model 3s going to the UK are whatever Giga Shanghai can spare here or there, or, or occasionally what Fremont can spare them as well. I wonder when Giga Berlin does come, become operational, if the Model Y will crack this top 10 list. You know, I'd like to optimistically say yes, but then again, if you take a look at the cars on that list, it, it seemed to, seems to suggest that the UK likes their vehicles to be pretty small. I know the roads are tighter over there, generally speaking, than they are here in the US, but we shall see. Still really good news. The Model 3, the number one car, period, in Britain for the month of June. Now, what I alluded to earlier, it's a little PS on the news section here this week. The Model Y in Europe, it is happening. The global rollout of the Model Y is now further underway. More countries joining Hong Kong and having the Model Y available to order. Now, obviously, again, Giga Berlin's not done yet. So these cars are coming from Giga Shanghai. We know this because they have HEPA filters in them, which the uh, US cars do not. And also that... That's just how Tesla's been doing. They've been sending threes over to Europe from Giga Shanghai, so this uh, makes a ton of sense as well. So just a quick note to say congratulations to my European listeners who have been waiting for a long time to be able to order a Model Y. That's everything in the world of Tesla news for this week, but stick with me. I've got plenty of your excellent Ride the Lightning Hotline phone calls coming up right after this short, tiny little break. Time for your voice to be heard here on the Ride the Lightning Hotline. Your questions, comments, and discussion topics for the podcast. If you've got one, I would love to hear from you. Please be a part of the show. Give me a call. You can do so in one of two easy ways. Either use your smartphone's built-in voice recording software, record your call, and please just keep it to 90 seconds or less so that I can get through as many people each week as possible, and email that file to me at teslapodcast at gmail.com. Alternatively, you can take your same call and send it in on the Ride the Lightning hotline itself. You just call and leave a message. Could not be simpler. It's a toll-free number. You dial 1-888-989-8752. Again, that's one 888 
989-TSLA. And if you know someone special with an upcoming birthday, anniversary, graduation, or some other special occasion, you can give them a unique gift of recorded voices from friends and family, telling them why they're special. The recordings can be podcasted or put onto a keepsake. Visit lifeonrecord.com to learn more. By the way, real quick, July's Patreon-only bonus mini-episode is out for the ludicrous tier backers or anybody above that tier as well. If you hear your name on this list of the callers, though, and you're not backing me on Patreon, go ahead and email me, teslapodcast at gmail.com, and I would be happy to give you a one-time download token for this bonus mini-episode so that you can hear the call that you were so kind enough to send in, as well as my response. So we have Terry from Queens, Renzo from Florida, Andrew, a.k.a. Tesla Czech from the Czech Republic, Howard from Washington State, Andre from Norway, Ron from Nashville, Jason from Highland, Indiana, John from Dublin, Brian from Pennsylvania, Peter from Portland, Sam from Montana, and Bill from Thousand Oaks. With that housekeeping out of the way, let's get to this week's calls, starting with Joe from Portsmouth in the UK. Hi, Ryan. Joe here from Portsmouth in the UK. A super quick question for you around the yoke steering wheel. Now we've seen more and more information come out around the Model S Plaid, certainly this week, but also kind of imagery of it out in the wild. And we've become a little bit more accustomed to the yoke steering wheel. I wondered if Tesla reached out to you and said, you know, Ryan, you can book in a service appointment at your local Tesla service center for free and we will replace your traditional Model 3 steering wheel with a yoke steering wheel, would you take them up on that offer? And if you would, would you be willing to pay for that upgrade if it wasn't free? Or do you even see it as an upgrade? Maybe you you would decline. I'd be keen to get your point of view on this. My, me personally, as a big F1 fan, I, you know, the little boy inside of me says I'd love, I'd love a yoke. I think they, I think they're amazing. But I appreciate they are, you know, a bit of a love-hate topic at the moment. So keen to get your thoughts. Stay safe. Thank you for everything you do. Cheers, Ryan. Joe, this is a fun question. Thank you very much for calling in with this. I thought about it a lot, and it's likely that I will get to have that experience with the new Roadster. Because with the new Model S and X shipping with a yoke, that almost certainly means that the new Roadster is going to as well. Because, of course, that prototype has one already, which is why I'm even bringing it up. But if the Model 3 could be dialed in for it with, like, dynamic steering ratios, maybe uh, that probably wouldn't happen because the new S and X don't have a dynamic steering ratio on the, with their yoke. But... I have to say, I think my answer on the Model 3 would be no. Just because the 3 is my daily driver, it's my any situation car, it's the, I'm eager to try the yoke at some point, if I have the good fortune to get to try it at some point, for for like an extended amount of time, you know, not just like a 30-minute quick, you know, test drive or something. But I don't, I definitely wouldn't pay for it. Let me put it that way. Like, I love the look of it. The idea of it's cool. But in terms of just functional day-to-day driving, particularly here in San Francisco, which is just an annoying city to drive around in, as I've complained about many times, I don't know. I don't think so. For the three, again, for the Roadster, it makes more sense. You they you want to be at nine and three at all times in with that kind of power. And it's... You've got the Night Rider thing going. It's a supercar. Like, I get that. Like, that, it makes sense. Totally fine with it there. But for the Model 3, no, I, I don't think I would pay. I, would, I don't think I would want it, and I definitely wouldn't pay for it as an upgrade. But I agree with you that it does seem fun, right? It looks fun. And I, again, hope, do look forward to somehow, some way trying it out uh, at some point in the future to form my own opinion, because that's really the key is... Form your own opinion about it once you get to try it for yourself. Thank you, Joe. Chad from Nebraska is up next. Hi, Ryan. This is Chad from Nebraska. Longtime listener. Love your podcast. Appreciate all the feedback that you give us, and I look forward to listening to it each week. I have a question. As Tesla ramps up their vehicle production of all models and other companies are trying to get there as fast as they can, What's going to happen to our electrical infrastructure and how are 
our utility company is going to be able to handle the load on the system. And then are we going to start to see electrical costs go up and fuel prices go down so that there becomes more of a equalization possibly and it's cheaper to drive an ICE instead of an EV or at least it comes closer in line with it. Appreciate your feedback and want to hear some of your wisdom. Thanks, Ryan. Chad, thank you for your call. Honestly, this is a very big topic that could probably be its own entire episode. To be frank with you, I'm not sure I'm qualified to even speak to it. But what I can say is that EVs are something like 1% of the car market right now. That's only going up. I mean, there's really nowhere to go for it but up. But still, so it's only 1%. So for the moment, the stress on the grid with regard to cars is probably not really a concern. But as I said, it's only going to go up. And you noted the same thing. So it will need to be planned for in the future. Tesla's hope, certainly, is that clean renewable energy with battery backup will be there to help balance that demand. We know that the grid does get cleaner in the United States each year. And we're about at the tipping point now where it's almost cheaper or in fact is cheaper in a lot of cases, I think, to build a renewable energy power plant than it is to build a fossil fuel plant. So that's good news. But yes, I agree with you. I think it will be inevitable that the electricity rates will go up because quite frankly, the utility companies will know that we're stuck with them, with our electric cars. I mean, but of course you're thinking, well, that's where solar comes in and you're correct. If you can swing solar for your home, you effectively, if not entirely, in some cases, remove yourself from that equation and you are driving on sunshine for free. As to whether or not gas prices would go down, again, I feel like I'm not qualified to say, but I kind of doubt it. It is a finite resource, and while the price of oil barrels does ebb and flow, I'm not sure it would ever do so in direct response to rising electric vehicle sales. I do think there will be economists that study this, both in real time over the next decade or two, as well as economists in 50 years from now that look back at this retroactively. But anyway, Chad, great call here. Thank you again for dialing me up. Doug in Colorado, you, sir, are up next. Uh, Hey, Ryan, Doug here in Colorado. A friend of mine test drove a Model 3 yesterday and came back to me and said that uh, he didn't like the car. And his main or basically only complaint with the car was a regenerative braking. And I told him that you can always turn that down to low. But unbeknownst to me, I guess the new Teslas are being sold without that option. Um, So you only get full. And while I personally love regenerative braking and kind of make it a game to uh, use friction braking as little as possible... It is a bit of an adjustment for some of these new EV drivers. And I'm still working on this guy, hoping to get in, him into a Tesla or another EV. But as is looking right now, he's probably going to end up uh, walking out the door with a gas-burning Audi. And it just seems like a real shame the Tesla has lost this sale because new drivers aren't used to the regenerative braking. And I really think that maybe they should consider bringing back that lower feature to let these people uh, ease into it a little bit because it it is a little bit different if you're not used to it. I am with you, Doug. It's fun to see how little that I can use the physical brakes. It's almost like a game. Uh, I agree that it's an adjustment and it's it's understandable that someone might not like the change. I personally love the change. Uh, I always have, even before I actually owned a Tesla but got to drive them, it's one of the first things I noticed and actually really liked when I drove my first Tesla, which was the original Roadster back in 2009. But, you know, I mean, let's uh, speaking honestly and and, uh, empathetically here with your friend, change is uncomfortable sometimes for all of us. For some of us, it's not with cars, but it's with clothing or I don't know, that's a bad example, but there are, there are a number of, you know, different people react differently to change with different things. So here's the argument that I would try with your friend. 
Ask him how often the brakes in an Audi, or any gas-powered car for that matter, last. Then ask him how much a brake job costs. Then tell him that you will probably never, and that's not a joke, never need to change the brake pads on a Tesla, thanks to regenerative braking. And add that to the other maintenance costs that you save on with an electric car, oil changes, tune-ups, fuel system flushes, and oh yeah, the fuel itself. And if he still wants to go with an ICE at that point, hey, at least he'll do so with all of the information in hand. Thanks for your call, Doug. David in Tallahassee is next. Hey, Ryan. This is David in Tallahassee. A good question here. One, why has Tesla stopped giving us detailed information about the software upgrades? The last three have really been uh, no explanation at all other than bug fixes and improvements. Uh, I'd like to know what the bugs were um, and uh, the other information. And secondly, when will we get a service center in Tallahassee? It's 200 miles to the closest service center from here. And uh, there are plenty of Teslas that are uh, in this area of uh, North Florida. So any plug you can give us with uh, Elon would be wonderful. Talk to you later. Goodbye. David, thank you for your call. I just looked at Tesla's service center map, and boy, you are not kidding. There are no service centers anywhere near you, and Tallahassee is a major metropolitan area. It's the capital of Florida. Uh, I wish I had more power in terms of helping to get service centers opened up, but we have seen Tesla invest a lot in that area over the past year or so. That's the good news. And hey, they know where all of their cars are sold to. So hopefully Tallahassee is on their short list of cities to expand to. As for the bug fix details, I imagine Tesla thinks that sharing too many details there might get used against them. We know, of course, uh, the world of FUD. I mean, for instance, if they were to detail something like, just as a hypothetical example, fixed error where autopilot doesn't break early enough with follow distance set to four, well, then those Fudsters and the other ne'er-do-wells out there could use that easily, easily use that to generate bad headlines for Tesla or worse, or maybe try to come up with some lawsuits against them. Even if they're frivolous, it's bad press. I mean, who knows? So I hope that helps, David. Thanks for your call. Let me go next to GK in Lake Jackson, Texas. Hello, Ryan. This is uh, GK Allen from Lake Jackson, Texas. I just picked up my 2021 Model Y uh, last month. I only got about 2,000 miles on it. <clears throat> I traded in my 2013 Model S for the extra stuff that this, this one's got, and it had 211,000 miles on it. But I wanted to know is, since I didn't have Sentry uh, Mode in the uh, my old car, I wanted to know what would I need to do, who would I have to contact about getting the Sentry Mode have a date and time stamp and or uh, speed uh, stamp in it when you do you see the playback. I was just making sure I could, uh, if there's somebody I can contact, I'm sure you would know, and what should I do if I do a bug report or what. So uh, thank you for your show. I love it, and, to, and say hi to Daisy the Boxer non-puppy. Bye-bye. GK, welcome to the podcast, and hey, congratulations on your new Model Y. And, and by the way, since you asked Daisy the Boxer, she is, her head is literally under a pillow, Somehow she's wedged her head under a pillow as she sleeps on the couch over there. Anyway, uh, 211,000 miles on your 2013 Model S is really, really impressive. And this has to be a fun trade-in for you because you have so much new stuff on the Y that your early S didn't have. I mean, autopilot being tops among them, but you, of course, also mentioned sentry mode. Unfortunately, I don't have an answer for you here. I can reassure you in saying that you are not the first person to have wished for a timestamp and a speedometer reading on dash cam video footage. I mean, hey, it would be really useful for a number of reasons, chief among them if you were to ever, God forbid, get in an accident. I think someone needs to get Elon's attention on Twitter about it. That sadly seems like the best way to get features onto the software team's to-do list. So hopefully one of us, maybe you, maybe me, can get his attention with it. Thank you very much for your call. 
Finally this week, one more caller is going to be Jeff from Pennsylvania. Hi, Ryan. This is Jeff from Pennsylvania. I own a 2018 Tesla Model 3 Long Range, and recently on a trip to South Carolina, I left my phone in the car overnight. When I got up in the morning, my phone was gone, and it appeared that someone had rummaged through the car. Um, when I went to check the Tesla video for the sentry mode, there was no uh, activity or any video of somebody entering my car. Um, fortunately for me, I was able to find my phone down the street, uh, missing a couple credit cards, but I'm fortunate that the suspect didn't steal my car. Uh, so I'm lucky for that. My question is, is there somehow a way to, uh, activate sentry mode after a time with the phone in the car? Uh, and if not, is there something that maybe we, the engineers can do to resolve that issue? Um, since I was unable to obtain video of anyone entering the vehicle for the police. Thanks for your podcast. I listen to you daily and I'm currently on a waiting list for the Cybertruck. Keep up the good work and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks. Bye. Jeff, I am very sorry to hear about this, but as you said, I'm glad it wasn't worse. At least your car's okay and you got your phone back. I don't believe there was an immediate solution here as I listen to your call, but what your call did make me think of, and we'll put this out there now with the hopes of speaking it into existence, is that maybe there could be a warning that a key has been left in the car if you go long enough without weight detected in any of the seats. In other words, the car realizes, hey, there's no one in here and there's a key, so that's probably not good and I should send a notification. Because the cars do something similar to this now with the windows and the doors. You get notifications pushed to you telling you that a window is down or the trunk is open or a door isn't closed. So maybe this could be applied to the key as well, be it the phone key or the key card, either way. Jeff, I appreciate you calling in to share your story. And that will wrap it up for this week's Ride the Lightning Hotline. But again, I would love to feature you on the podcast. I'd love to have you participate, have your voice literally heard. So call in anytime if you feel like it. You can call in using one of either of those two easy methods that I gave you at the top of this segment. Stick with me, though. I'm not quite done. I'll be right back with a little bit more right after this. This is Steve Downs, the voice of Master Chief, Sierra 117. You're listening to Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast. You know, that Cybertruck looks a lot like a warthog, doesn't it? Master Chief, out. Well, the first thing I want to say before I get to the pro tip of the week is go Suns! Talked about this last week, but uh, as I record, they are up two games to none in the NBA Finals. It is very exciting. I am trying to temper my excitement because these are two good teams. Nothing is in the bag yet, but oh man, the Phoenix Suns have never won the NBA championship in 50-something years of existence, despite having some really amazing teams over the years. The Charles Barkley teams, the the Steve Nash teams, oh man, so... Oh, it was so close, but two more wins to go. We'll see. Uh, we'll see how this ages, this episode, if, if that excitement is going to turn to sorrow or ultimate joy. Anyway, uh, here's your ec- uh, entertainment recommendation of the week. Dogs on Netflix. That's the name of the series. Season two just dropped on Netflix. I watched the first one, really enjoyed it. And I'm, I'm a couple episodes into the new ones. It is, they are just individual, they're not connected at all, individual stories about people with their dogs. Highly recommend watching it if you're a dog person, but be prepared to have your emotions just pour out of your body as you watch them. Some of them are really, uh, they're not sad per se, but they do get emotional. So check that out if you need something to watch, even in your car, because of course, Netflix is in your Tesla. All right, time for a pro tip of the week. This one comes from Rob in Kitchener, Ontario, Canada. 
Hi Ryan, this is Rob Spritzer from Kitchener, Ontario, Canada with a pro tip of the week regarding supercharging. First, a bit of background on my Tesla experience. I've had my Model 3 long range for just over three years now with just over 125,000 miles on the odometer and have noticed there is confusion in the Tesla community around supercharging. I suppose that most people follow what the car navigation says to do, but I've found the Tesla nav to be quite conservative with charging planning, ensuring that you never run out of charge under any condition. In order to increase charge Charging speeds and decreased costs, I typically try to stop at superchargers around 10% state of charge, give or take, and I prioritize V3 superchargers if possible. This ensures that I can usually max out the charging rate around 250 kilowatts, which equals 1100 miles per hour which means that I can add 65 miles in about 4 minutes or 125 miles in about 10 minutes. When I stop at a charger, I'm usually the last one plugging in and the first one leaving. On a long trip when supercharging, I plan out how much to charge and when to stop based on the distance of my next supercharging stop plus around 35 miles of buffer. As for saving money, in states like California, New York, Florida, and others, supercharging is billed per kilowatt hour, and unfortunately you can't really do much about the cost. However, in many other states and Canada, supercharging is billed per minute. Here, a four-minute stop at a supercharger to add 65 miles of range costs me less than $1.50. On a road trip, I also charge the car significantly more before heading into a state that bills per kilowatt hour. My usual supercharging stops are around 15 minutes, however the last stop in Georgia before heading into Florida is typically around 30 minutes for me. Using these strategies, my last trip from Ontario to Florida cost me less than $30 USD in supercharging fees. As a nice bonus, doing your best to max out the charging speed also deducts less free referral miles than you add to the car. Thanks Ryan for your show, I enjoy listening every week. Thank you, Rob. Plenty of good road tripping advice in there for people who want to really dig in and maximize their time and money. I will say I do appreciate that you can pretty well just pay attention to the in-car nav and not really think about it any more about it than that if you want to. But for those who do want to go the extra mile, literally in this case, this is an excellent call. Safe travels, Rob. And anybody else out there that's got a pro tip of the week, something interesting, something not obvious about the car that's worth sharing with your fellow owners and enthusiasts, give me a call. Send it in as a phone call, and you can do that in one of the same two easy ways that you send in the regular Ride the Lightning Hotline phone calls, as I told you about earlier in the show. That will about wrap it up for Ride the Lightning. Let me just say some uh, say hi to some friends of the podcast. Maybe some of these friends can help you. We can help each other. It's just one big circle of friendship here. I'll start with abstractocean.com, the home of so many excellent aftermarket Tesla accessories, whether it's the center console wrap kits, whether it's the rear footwell lighting kit, or just the the entire interior of brighter LED or in different color LED kits, the drop-in cup holder stabilizer, the tempered glass screen protector, the list goes on and on. You gotta just go to abstractocean.com, spend some time browsing around, see what catches your eye. You can search by car, so if you've got an S, you can search by that, or three or X or Y. Anyway, abstractocean.com. Check it out and get 15% off of your order, your first order that is, by using the coupon code RTLPODCAST. And that's all one word, no spaces in that. RTLPODCAST at abstractocean.com. Long time friend of the podcast. Thank you to Abstract Ocean. Meanwhile, you've got Immaculate Reflections. Jeff will take excellent care of you and your car should you Desire a spa day for your car. Maybe you want to do some paint protection film. Protect the front of it, or more, or all of it, from rock chips and debris and all kinds of stuff that can damage the paint. Maybe you want to do paint correction. Really get the car looking factory new or better again. Maybe you want to do ceramic coating so that you don't have to wax the thing for the next three to five years. Any of it, all of it, whatever you want to do, Get in contact with Jeff at Immaculate Reflections. The website is irdetailing.com. When you contact Jeff, mention that you are a listener of the podcast, and when you schedule in with him, he will give you a nice little discount for being a Ride the Lightning listener. PureTesla.com slash RTL. That's the one-stop shop for your dash cam and sentry mode needs. 
$49 will get you the 128 gigabyte kit formatted and ready to go right into the package. You just take it out, plug it straight into your car. Could not be simpler and even better. They ship for free anywhere in the U.S., or a modest fee to ship worldwide. If you if that's not enough, you want to go a two, 256 gigabyte kit, that is 69 bucks. So that's a nice long-term fire and forget solution for the dash cam and sentry mode. I highly recommend it. I use it myself. How about the Jada family of products? They've got a million things now, lots of good stuff. Again, I'm very partial to the wireless charging pad for the pre-2021 Model 3s. They're up to version four of that thing now. I'm using version three in my car and it's great. Version four just has an even better fit and, like a, not fit and finish, but it has a literally better finish. It's just a more premium uh, material on it. So check that out. Or the, the USB hub, the USB hub console, which is like they're kind of all in one solution to add USB-C ports and storage organizer, all kinds of stuff. Check it all out, the Jada family of products. And if you're gonna get any of it, use my coupon code to get yourself a nice discount. That coupon code, RTL, nice and easy to remember there. My only ask is that if you are going to purchase things from Jada, please use my referral code so that I can get uh, full transparency. A couple of bucks thrown my way from the sale, that referral link is getjada.com slash R-E-F slash eight and Jada is spelled J-E-D-A. Don't forget the snap plate. That is the front license plate bracket that you wanna get because don't use the one Tesla gives you. Get the snap plate. It snaps on and off in seconds, but it'll stay on there securely with the uh, the tool. You know, it's not coming off, but it, you can easily take it off with the correct tool. It's paint safe, it's grill safe, autopilot safe and it's not gonna put automotive adhesive tape onto your front painted bumper. <laughs> Just that thought makes me shudder. So grab a snap plate, trust me. The URL there is everyamp.com slash RTL. Everyamp.com slash RTL. And finally, I of course have to mention the Patreon. That is the number one and preferred way to support the podcast if you so choose. It's voluntary, of course, but if you see it in your heart to uh, support me at some point in time, maybe it can't be today, maybe it's gotta be in the future, but maybe it can be today. I'd appreciate you at least take a look at the Patreon page, which you can find at patreon.com slash Podcast. Patreon is spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. The support tiers start at just five bucks a month. That's the sport tier, as in the sport driving mode. They're all named after driving modes. Uh, and you get early access to the podcast every week just at the base sport tier. Uh, and the bonuses and perks go up from there. The, the monthly, you heard me talk earlier this episode about the monthly bonus mini episode. That's for the next tier up, the, which of course will, you know, the, the, the rewards stack. So at the ludicrous tier, you get the monthly bonus mini episode and you get the early access. So it just keeps going. Maybe you can uh, maybe you can support me at some point. That'd be awesome. I do put a lot of time, a lot of research, a lot of love, enthusiasm, and hopefully professionalism too into this podcast. So again, that's patreon.com slash Tesla podcast. And let me say hi before I go to the Patreon supporters at the Plaid, Maximum Plaid, and Roadster in Space tiers. Starting with the latter, the Roadster and Space crew, Pete White, Lyle Austin, Steve Radspinner, my friend on Twitter, at Rodam, Fernando Cordero, Lawton from Chicago, Sean Neidig, Scooter Ward, Neil Weaver, Jackson Wallace, and Crafty Geek. Thanks to all of you for your extremely generous support. Can't, of course, forget about the Maximum Plaid crew. I'll be looking forward to talking to them. I'm recording here, of course, on Friday night. I'm talking to the Maximum Plaid tier crew, as well as uh, anybody who joined gets a one, just anybody who either upgraded a Patreon pledge this past month or joined for the first time this past month gets a one-time welcome invitation to our monthly Patreon Google Hangout, where we talk Tesla for about an hour. Been having a great time with those. That's going to be on, that's tomorrow, it's Saturday. So looking forward to that. But hey, if you if you hear this and 
join the Patreon, you'll get invited to the next one in early August. Anyway, the Maximum Plaid backers, thank you to Jonathan Wales, Cameron Clark, Daniel Grummer, Seth Capello, Nick and Tony, Tesla Hitchhiker 42, John Schmidt, Stan Roth, Howard Anthony Smith, Charles Galpin, Ryan from Las Vegas, Darren Nickel, Kaz Barnes, Ulrich Lassa, Brett Libano, Patrick Wisniewski, Gil Cabrera, Hay Watley, Eric Brown, Mark Eversoll, Todd Badger, Joe Edgel, Kevin Yank, the Tesla Owners Club of San Joaquin Valley, Michael Williams, MT, Will Stedman, Tyler Smith, Mait Suaru, Derek Nesselrote, Justin Perez, Jeremy Harris, Chris Beach, Tom Mills, and Alex Brem. Thank you all very much. And of course, the Plaid Crew. Thank you, George Cassiopo, David Brander, Alexi Heft, Logan Willis, Jason Chalukas, Tim Hyde, Peter Chalet, Eric Randolph, David Nondahl, Jerry and Mary Smith, Joel Sapp, Dorian Steve Guberman, Jeremy, Tesla Owners Taiwan, Ron Lee, John Cody, Charlie Gillespie, David Perella, Sunil Joseph, Dennis Peake, Stig Mickey Jensen, Jeff Angwin, Chase Cabanillas, The Lydia Family, Michael Regal, Aaron Altschul, Jared Brown, Jerome Strack, Jamie Dalton, Noel and Lucy Murphy, The Tesla Owners East Bay Club, Paul Casarino, Ryan Natchett, Mike and Barbara from Louisville, David J. Howes, Travis Krenzel, Matt Nixon, The Tesla Owners Club of Wisconsin, Jonathan Zelezny, Joshua Walker, and Rick Dean. Thanks to all of you for your very generous and continued support at all of those higher Patreon tiers. If you want to email me, you can do so at teslapodcast at gmail.com. If you'd like to follow me on social media, I'm at DMC underscore Ryan on both Twitter and Instagram. Twitter is mostly video game stuff. Some uh, It's been some Phoenix Sun stuff lately during the games, and there's some Tesla stuff mixed in too. The Instagram, on the other hand, is all Tesla all the time if you are curious about that or want to follow along there. And I think... That will about do it. Oh, if you're not already following or subscribing, whatever it is they're calling the the podcast uh, engagement now, do so on your favorite podcast platform so that the show pushes to you automatically each week rather than you having to remember, oh yeah, it's Sunday. Let me go download the new Ride the Lightning. You can follow slash subscribe on pretty much all the major podcast services, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn and Spotify are both in your Tesla, so you can get them straight in your car if you want there. Or I'm also on YouTube. There's just It's just audio only, but if you do just prefer to listen via YouTube, search Ride the Lightning Tesla on YouTube and you'll find my channel there and can easily subscribe and ring that bell, as the, the YouTubers like to say. So <laughs> with that, for a snoring Daisy the Boxer, I'm Ryan McCaffrey. This was Ride the Lightning episode 310, and I will see you all again next week. I mean, I think a Tesla... It's the most fun thing you could possibly buy ever. That's what it's meant to be. Our goal is to make... It's, it's not exactly a car. It's actually a thing to maximize enjoyment. It's maximum fun.